0: You know, in, uh, in my ministry, and I assume it's going to be that way with many other people, there's stages that I go through. I've gone through a few different stages. There's a few things that I used to do that I'm no longer good at doing. One of those is worship leading, and the second is youth ministry. I found out in my last youth ministry I'm not very good at it anymore. You know, I don't know if i am gotten too old or I've gotten too far disconnected or what, but however... Um, I'm no, uh, that's no longer my calling, so that's why I'm so thankful that we do have a, a great youth pastor here at First Baptist Church. He's doing an excellent job, and it's a pleasure to work with him and to have him on board here, and um, that's who's going to be speaking with you this morning. He's going to be bringing the message. I asked him to do it. Um, we had talked about it a few, you know, a few weeks ago. He said he'd like to you know, start getting behind the pulpit every now and then, and I'm glad to have him. Um, I talked to him this morning. He said he's a little bit nervous. That's Good. It's good to be nervous. You got a lot. You got a lot of pressure. You know, people are looking for you to fail, right? And so, you no, know, we're actually we're, we're we're behind you. We're we're looking forward to what the Lord's laid on your heart to give us this morning. So, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Ray.
1: That was a pretty sad welcome. <laughs> Well, good morning. I hope uh, you had a great Thanksgiving break. Uh, I really enjoyed mine. I went up to see Ashley's family. And so I'm glad that my family's here uh, this morning and get to see them. Um, You guys can go ahead and turn to Nehemiah chapter two. Uh, That's where we're gonna be. Yes, I know I'm young and yes, we're going to the Old Testament, um, but that's a good thing. Uh, I'm gonna read Acts one eight for you guys because um, as we're gonna talk today, you're gonna realize that this is kind of the backdrop that we need to view this passage with. (coughs) So Acts 1-8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind that We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. That's our command from Jesus after he rose from the dead to go and be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. All right, so now let's get into Nehemiah chapter two. Um, I'm sure some of you know the background of Nehemiah. They were finally coming back from the Babylonian exile. They had spent the last 70 years in Babylon because they had turned away from God and he punished them and gave them over to the Babylonians. So they're finally getting to come back and Nehemiah is leading the second group of Israelites back to Jerusalem. And when he gets there, he notices some things. So we're gonna be in verses 11 through 18. Verse 11, so I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night and I and a few men with me And I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one which I rode. So, so far we see that Nehemiah is back in Jerusalem and he's doing something in secret. We don't really know what he's up to, um, but he is trying to tell us that he's doing this in secret. No one knows what he's doing. Verse 13, I went out by the night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up to the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. (coughs) So, Nehemiah is inspecting the damage. Like I just said, they had been in the Babylonian exile, so they were conquered. And he's finally getting to come back and he's looking at how bad the destruction was. He inspects the wall all around the city. He inspects the king's pool and all of these national monuments, these things that they had built for God and he sees that the wall is destroyed. It's completely destroyed, and this is a huge thing for the people in that time. See, back then when a, city, when a city's wall was in shambles, their surrounding culture, the surrounding people groups saw them as weak. They were conquered. And so for God's city to be viewed as weak and crippled and crumbled and disrespected the peop- the, this weighed heavily on the Israelites' heart. And even more so, when a city was viewed as conquered, it means that their God who was over that city was also conquered. So, for the Israelites, for someone to view Yahweh as defeated, they, they didn't know how to handle that. It, it weighed extremely heavily on their hearts, and Nehemiah couldn't stand it. We're going to keep reading in verse 17. He goes out to the people and he says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. Derision just means to be mocked. So they're being mocked by all these people groups that I just talked about. then verse 18, And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Okay, so in verse 18, we see that Nehemiah told the people what had gone on. It's like, look, the city is completely destroyed. Our city, God's promised land is destroyed. We have to do something about this. And the people responded. They said, yes, we do. And they strengthened their hands for the good work. They were ready to carry out God's mission. Now, some of you are probably thinking, what does this have to do with me? We're not trying to build a city around Malvern. We're not trying to um, rebuild our town. It's not in shambles. It hasn't been conquered. And this is when it goes back to our view of Acts 1:8, that we've been given a mission to be a witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, most of us probably aren't going to go to Jerusalem, and so we have to understand what Jesus meant when he said this. He meant, go back to your home, your Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is Malvern. This is where we are. We're to be witnesses here where we are. And then in our surrounding area, our Southern Arkansas, Arkansas, Southern US, the US, and then to the ends of the earth, which still rings true today as the ends of the earth. and so when we have this view of, because we're new covenant believers, we get to look through the lens of Jesus. We get to look back at the Old Testament and see the principles that were there and then apply it to our lives. And so that's what we're gonna do as we work back through the passage. Um, I'm gonna highlight some of the principles and we're gonna see how it interacts with us as new believers. So in verse 13, we see that he goes out and he's doing this inspecting. Verses 13 through 16, he's inspecting the physical damage of Jerusalem. And while we don't have to inspect the physical damage of Malvern, unless you're like a home inspector or something, um, we do need to inspect the spiritual damage. Because our our mission is to be witnesses to our area, so we need to see where they're hurting. We need to see where our community is broken and hopeless so that we can speak truth into it. Now, some of you have been doing a lifetime of inspecting. You've grown up here. You've lived here for longer than I've been alive. Um, I'm catching up. I've only been here for six months, but I can see some of the damage that's here. It, there, some people are really hurt here, and some people are hurt by the church here. And so we have to do this inspecting, and a lot of you have done this, but what's really important about this is that he, he moved on to the next phase. Nehemiah didn't just stop with inspection. He moved on to go and tell people to do something about it and actually was a part of doing something to bring about change. And it's really easy for us to get caught up into this phase of just piling up information of, okay, that church isn't doing something right. Okay, that person's hurting, but it's because they did they did this other thing or we see this hurt and this pain and this need and we just keep piling up the information we keep inspecting the spiritual damage but we never do anything about it so that's the first thing that we're going to see as a principle from this passage is that we have to move on and do something about it we have to be an agent of change and so uh, we move on to verse 17 after the inspection and he says to them you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. So Nehemiah brings up the knowledge to the people and that's, that's kind of Billy and job is to bring up the information to you guys. Where we see, where you guys see that our community needs something, a truth needs to be told, a need needs to be met, we're supposed to tell you guys so that you can come and do it, right? Our job is to equip the saints to go and do ministry. That's you guys. You guys are the saints that do ministry. We're here to guide you and push you towards that. And we have so much more motivation than them. They, they saw that their city, their home was destroyed God wanted them to do it and Nehemiah told them to do it and they bonded together and they went and did it. We have the whole power of the Holy Spirit. Going back to the Acts 1-8, God gave us a mission, Jesus gave us a mission, but he gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill that mission. You're not on your own and you have the power of the Holy Spirit and you're gonna see you later as we keep going that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your skill set we'll come back to that. In verse 18, um, he goes on to say that he told them that the hand of God was on him um, and that he was gonna continue to be on them. And they responded. They said, yes, let us do it. Let us strengthen our hands and go out and do it. (coughs) This means that our lives, our actions should point towards Jesus. Not just our words, but our actions should also point towards him. As you continue to go on through Nehemiah, in chapter 3, there's a long list of the people who worked on the wall. Nehemiah told who did what section of the wall, and he told them of their profession so they could narrow down and know who did what. And this is really important for us, and it's really cool that we still have this list because it shows us a couple things. The main thing is that it shows us that God takes note. He knows who does work and he knows who doesn't do work. He knows exactly who did what part of the wall and now we get to several thousand years later. Another important thing that we see is that they were people of different professions. There was a perfume maker who was building a wall. It's like someone in our day and age um, who does a very fine-tuned job like a surgeon and he's out there using the sledgehammer to knock away the rubble and then he's laying the foundation and he's using his hands for hard work rather than meticulous little things. And so the point here is that it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what profession you have. It doesn't matter what skill set you have. God wants to use you for his mission. For them, it was to rebuild a wall. For us, we see from Acts 1-8, it's to be a witness. And he has you where you are so that you can do that. Don't let that go to waste. And so as you continue to go on, you're going to, you're going to see that opposition arises. In chapter 4 and again in chapter 6, you see that people rise up to stop the Israelites from building their wall. They wanted to keep them in defeat. They wanted to keep them at bay. Even at the end of chapter 2, the last few verses, it gives specific names of people who rose up and were verbally attacking the israelites now they ended up having to fight to keep the wall going they they were fighting some of them were fighting to keep people back while others kept building the wall behind them and then they'd switch and this is this is a really cool aspect for the church to pull out of this is that we need to bond together and help each other we're gonna face opposition we are promised that Jesus said, they've persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you. And that's coming, that will come. Now, we probably won't face the threat of losing our lives for telling people that Jesus loves them. But people will attack us verbally. They'll attack our reputation. They might even attack our, um, our business or however you make money. But the important thing is that in chapter 4, verse 20, God promises to fight for us. And in Acts 1, 8, like I said earlier, I'm gonna continue to beat this drum. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. He's in every single one of us to empower us, to embolden us, to convict us, to push us, to lead us. Don't grow numb to him. This should be, this should encourage us because while they, they had each other and they had this overarching idea that God wanted them to do this, we have God's word specifically telling us exactly what to do. Go and be a witness. Go tell people about him. If we're not having conversations with people about Jesus, then we're not fulfilling his commandment. We're breaking a commandment from God. But, We'll see in chapter six that the wall is complete and into seven, praise God, his mission is complete. They have fulfilled their duty. They have worked out their mission and we can do that as well here. We can restore the spiritual damage that's been done here in Malvern. I'm gonna read verses 15 and 16 to you from chapter six because it's been my prayer that this is what happens here in Malvern. Let's read, chapter six, verses 15 and 16. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. Did you catch that? A wall around an entire city, which was like eight to 10 feet wide, 30 feet tall, was built in 52 days. So that's crazy. I don't want you to miss that because it makes sense with verse 16. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and felt greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished by the help of our God. These people who are mocking and trying to kill them and fight against them stopped and were afraid because they realized that God was with them. God helped them. They realized that this mission couldn't have been done without the help of God. And I want that to be true for Malvern, for our Jerusalem for the people of Malvern to stop and see, wow, there's a work of God being done here. This isn't just what men can do, it's only from the power of God. And God can and will do that here. We just have to let him. We have to be obedient, walk faithfully in what he's commanded us to do. If we do that, then the Holy Spirit will carry it. It's not a complicated thing. That doesn't mean it's easy either. So the question is, are you going to be a part of the group that's in opposition? Are you going to be part of the group that is doing God's will? Are you going to be part of the group that sits on the sidelines and does nothing and goes through the motions and doesn't talk to anyone? Are you going to be part of the group that goes out and is a witness in your Jerusalem? Jerusalem? in our Jerusalem. God wants us and commands us to be agents of restoration. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation and he wants us to be a part of the work. We get to be a part of the work. It's not a burden. We get to do this. God's given us a command. It's up to us to obey it. To walk in it. So, during our invitation today, um, if you haven't been doing this, you need to repent. There's no if ands, or buts. There's no way around it. If you haven't been talking to people about Jesus, you need to repent. We've been commanded to go and be a witness in Jerusalem, our Jerusalem, in Malvern. Or are you breaking, have you been breaking a commandment? And I want us to have this time of genuine reflection, genuine repentance. I don't care what the person next to you thinks. I don't care what your reputation is. I don't care if you're up on the praise team or if you're in the back row or if you're in the middle section or if you're here every Wednesday and every Sunday or if this is your first time. If you need, if you haven't been telling people about Jesus, you're breaking his commandment. Your silence is sin. There's no way around it. And I'll start off by saying, I need to repent. I haven't been telling people about Jesus with the passion and the excitement that I need to, with the urgency that I need to. I need to be getting out in this community and sharing Jesus with people, reaching the lost, because our community is broken. It is. When's the last time you talk to your coworker about their faith? When's the last time you talk to your neighbor about their life? I don't want us to be a group of people that just goes through the motions, just comes to church and goes home and feels good about it. I want us to be a, a genuine community of faith. When we're presented with the Word of God and it convicts us that we repent and then we go and we're changed. So our invitation is going to look a little different today. This isn't a salvation invitation. Although that's never closed, you can come and you can talk with us if that's what you need to do. But our invitation's going to be for believers who haven't been telling people about Jesus. I want you to come down and I want you to give that over to the Lord. Give your fear over to Him. Repent of your sinfulness and say, I'm yours, God. I need you to work through me because He's already given you the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. He's commanded us to do it and He wants you to do it. So let's get real and let's repent. Come forward if you need to. And if you have been doing this, if you have been telling people with, about Jesus with fire and passion, then great. That's awesome. Keep doing it. And start telling other believers how those conversations are going because that encourages us, that emboldens us, that, that challenges us to do the same. And I tell the youth this all the time. It's kind of our motto. The pursuit of God leads to the pursuit of others. There's no way around it. So if you haven't been pursuing God, or if you haven't been pursuing others, are you really pursuing God? So we're going to go into our invitation. Please, come repent. Let the Lord work on your heart.